This is the Fearless Presentations Podcast, the fastest, easiest way to reduce public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. Welcome back to the Fearless Presentations podcast brought to you by the Leaders Institute and fearlesspresentations.com. I'm your host, Doug Standard, president of the Leaders Institute. And this podcast helps people just like you get rid of public speaking fear and increase your success by increasing your confidence when you communicate. So the topic of today's session is seven foolproof ways to start a presentation. These are ways that I've used in the past that, that really helped me build that rapport with the audience and make things go over really well. Now, I've also included, if you stick around to the last part of the podcast, I also included an eighth bonus tip that is not necessarily foolproof, but some of you may get a kick out of using it. This podcast is brought to you by fearlesspresentations.com. I, I, I know a lot of you have subscribed to the podcast. You know, a lot of you who have subscribed to the podcast are graduates of the two-day Fearless Presentations class. And a lot of you are actually folks who maybe looked into attending one of the Fearless Presentations classes but wanted to kind of listen to a few podcasts to see if we were really on the level before you actually paid the fee, which is fine. That's great. That's what it's here for. One of the great things about being a graduate of the program, though, is that you can come back and take the class a second time for free as long as we have space available in the class. So if you're a graduate and you're looking for a refresher, make sure and check out the schedule of upcoming classes on fearlesspresentations.com. If you're actually one of those folks who are just checking us out, you may want to, if you're actually looking at taking a class with us anyway, you might want to hurry because anytime I remind graduates on a podcast about that policy, the all of a sudden the spaces fill up very quickly. So if you're looking at taking a class, make sure and go very quickly and register for one and hopefully we'll have space available. So let's get started with today's podcast. So today's hot topic is seven foolproof ways to start a presentation. These are these are seven ways that I found that give you a good start in your presentation so that you can create that rapport with your audience and get your audience to really pay attention to you very quickly. So we've all been there as a speaker. You you walk out on the stage or you walk in front of the room and the audience is staring at you with skepticism written all over their faces. Uh, you can look over a stoic crowd and you can tell that they have no patience for speakers who waste their time. And, and you can tell that by the demeanor that they're showing as, as they're looking at you. So you need a foolproof way to start your presentation so that you win that audience over. Now, I've been there myself. And so on today's podcast, we're going to cover a few of my favorite ways to start a speech that will help you capture positive attention within, with your audience and also get the most stoic crowd you know, to want more from you. So, so um, the first few tips that I'm going to give you are ways that you can actually start your presentation that will help your audience remember your content. So if it's important that your, your audience retain the content of your presentation, these are some things that will help. Now, so one of the techniques that we teach that we first introduced in our Fearless Presentations classes is to give your summary first, give your summary as an introduction. And so basically what we do in the Fearless Presentations class is we teach people to do what Zig Ziglar said years ago. you got to tell them what you're going to tell them and then tell them and then tell them what you told them. So as a speaker, um, you've got a lot going against you. The, the biggest challenge that we have as speakers is that most of the people who are in our audiences really don't want to be there. Even if they, a lot of times, that's even if they paid to be in a class or something like that. 
Uh, so so they would much rather be somewhere else, even if they know they have to kind of be in your presentation. So starting with your conclusion gives them a reason to tune in and then pay attention to the, the content. Now, TV shows and movies, they do this all the time. They do this a lot. I mean, I remember watching Titanic for the first time and seeing Rose at the age of 90 coming onto the salvage ship and asking the captain to see her painting. You know, I remember she said, you know, wasn't I a dish? You know, um, we all know the story of Titanic, but by starting out 80 years into the future, we already know that somehow Rose is going to survive the tragedy. So we, we pay attention because we want to see how she did it. Years ago, um, there was a, a TV show. It was called Alias. It was Jennifer Garner who was the the uh, main character, and and they did this a lot on that TV show. They would they would have her in some type of some type of danger, you know, at the very beginning of the show, and then after a couple of minutes of of uh, showing that she's in great peril, it would it would give you a flashback and it would say um, 24 hours earlier at the bottom of the screen. So it was letting you where she was going to end up and then you had to kind of figure out, would, you have to watch the story in order to kind of figure out how she got there. Well, you do you can do the same types of things in your presentations. You can create, create the same effect by making your title a conclusion that you want your audience to come to. So you and, and then after you have that nice title, you lay out a few bullet points that will help them come to that conclusion. So for instance, if you if you had the topic, my my topic today is five ways to get your executives to increase your department training budget. So it tells them the conclusion right up front. And then you give them a few bullet points that will help them come to that, get to that conclusion or get that or come to the same conclusion that you laid out. Of course, this technique works best when your topic or the title that you've created for for your topic is is a an actual result that your audience really wants to achieve. So it's something that they want. So if you if you're if you're having trouble coming up with that that great title or topic, make sure and listen to podcast four. We did that a way back. It's the title of that one is to start with a great title and the presentation practically writes itself. And it really is true. If you if you come up with a really good result oriented title for your for your presentation. The, the bullet points kind of come fairly quickly for you. So, by the way, this is this technique is also helpful because you can you can just you can use it again at the end of your presentation as a summary. So, if you're using this as your introduction, telling them what you're going to tell them, then at the end you can summarize it. So that's why we use this a lot in the in the presentation class in our fearless presentations class because most of the time the folks that are coming through that two day class. They tend to be business presenters, and you know, and the, the audiences that they're delivering to want something really quick. They want something they can they can uh, remember, and they want it to make sense. And so, by using this process, it, it really helps in, in in all of those ways. Now, another technique, the second thing that you can do to to capture your audience's attention is just to start with a compelling story. Now, I often do this with my classes. When, I, when I'm starting a, a presentation class, I usually start with a personal incident of where I had trouble speaking in front of a group. Um, some of you that's been li- that have been listening to the podcast for a while will probably remember that I, I've told the story a couple times about about um, the internship that I had when I was in in college and how I had I had a challenge speaking in front of a group, speaking in front of that group anyway. So when um, when I start a class with a story like that, it lets people know that, hey, this guy's actually pretty good at speaking in front of a group. So if, if he was having trouble and he can do this, then maybe I can do it too. So it really helps. Um, a good personal story about the topic at hand really captures the audience's attention. It also can sometimes insert humor 
right at the beginning of the presentation. And I'll give you an example of this. I I taught a private presentation class for uh, Mitsubishi last week, and and I could tell when I walked in the room that this was going to be a tough crowd. The the culture of you know Mitsubishi is a predominantly Japanese. I mean, it's a it's a Japanese owned company, so it's it's predominantly Japanese, and it's fairly conservative, right? So when I walked in, the folks in the in the audience were were pretty stoic and and most often when I when I walk into a classroom and I introduce myself to the class members, you know, people are, tend to be fairly warm and friendly and 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 the people here were as well. But most often when I'm a guest in their office, they they're really trying to make me feel comfortable, trying to make me feel at home, which is kind of odd because like when I when I'm in a public class, that's my goal because a lot of times these folks are coming in from the general public and they're nervous about coming to a public speaking class. And so the roles tend to be kind of shifted. But in this one, I could tell that, that you know, these were all busy people. Everybody in the room were really busy people who seemed really like they didn't want to be in the training program. <laughs> so I was trying to make small talk with them, but, you know, very few of them were actually laughing with me and smiling. So it was a, it was a pretty tough crowd. So when I started the class, I decided to go into a, a fairly detailed version of, of the incident that I experienced during my college internship and where I just totally bombed the speech. And and as a result, I, I was able to add in a lot of real self-deprecating humor to the story. And the, the mood in the room started to change, kind of lightened up quite a bit. It was it was an easy way to get the audience to feel more at ease and then get them involved in the presentation. So stories have that that kind of opening effect where it it can add some humor, it can lighten up the room, it can make people that don't want to be there, you know, more interested in in what you have to say. So stories are are by the way are easy additions to just about any speech. For instance, if uh, if you're giving a, a project report then you can start with a memorable event that occurred within the project since you last met with the team. So just anything that happened, if, if it's been three months since we've met with the team and given a project report, so what has happened in that last three months that was most prominent on in the project? And just kind of tell them a quick story about that. Or if you're giving a financial report and the conclusion of the, of the report is that profit is up this quarter or, or this year, then just give them a quick example of one thing that happened during that time period that caused a, a profit increase. And it could be something just really minor, but just a quick little incident is a good way to to, to, to uh, kind of start off your presentation. So if you're leading like a problem-solving meeting, you might want to start with an example of something that has happened recently that shows that this problem exists. So any type of like quick example in real life or quick story that has happened can really uh, can really help start a presentation in a, in a really positive way because it gets your audience paying attention. It reduces your nervousness, by the way. It makes it to where you're able to deliver that presentation in a much more confident way. And it's more fun and more interesting, so the audience pays attention to you. Uh, another tip that you can use, and this is the, the third tip that will help you deliver an opening that will make your presentation more memorable, is to start with a startling statistic. So an example of this is, you know, according to a recent Forbes article, 10% of people love speaking in front of a group. Another 10 have a real phobia about speaking to groups. And then the remaining 80% are, you know, of us kind of fall somewhere in between that. So starting off with a quick statistic, you know, doing some research and finding a statistic can can sometimes set the mood for the for the presentation and make it to where people are paying attention to you a little bit more. Um, you can often find a good and, and sometimes even startling and or startling statistic that, that can capture attention quickly um, just by Googling it. You know, so um, so if you're if you're giving a financial presentation where 
revenue from your company was up 3.5% last quarter, then you might go and look up a statistic for your entire industry in that same quarter and then start your speech with that data. So it might sound something like, you know, the electronics industry as a whole was up 2.4% last quarter, but our company outperformed the industry and had a 3.5% increase in revenue. So now, although, I, you know, statistics by themselves can sometimes sound a little boring, if you, if you, it's a good way to kind of start because it gives you things that you can cover in your presentation in a, in a more compelling way. So an easy way to find these statistics, by the way, I kind of mentioned before, is that you can just Google search something. All you have to really do is whatever your topic is, just type that into Google and then put the word statistic after it or put a plus if you want to. But most of the time, if you just type in the the topic followed by the word statistic it'll it'll give you some examples um so i i just just to test this to make sure this still works because i've used this many times in in my career as well but just wanted to, to test it with something totally random so i i did a google search for best ted talks you know there's there's thousands if not hundreds of thousands now ted talks out there which ones are the best and i came up with an article that was titled the top 25 most shared TED Talk videos. And all I did was I just took the top three and pasted the title of that of that TED Talk in into Google and then typed a word statistic out of it. So the very first one that came up was the, the title of the of the TED Talk was Does School Kill Creativity? And I just typed that up with the word statistic out of it. And the first thing that popped up, or maybe it was the second, was according to the Adobe State of Create Global Benchmark Study. What <laughs> there are eight in ten people feel that unlocking creativity is critical to economic growth, and more than half of those surveyed feel that creativity is being stifled by their education systems. Now that's a little wordy, and it's a little hard to kind of get through. But again, that was just the first thing that, that popped up. If I'd have gone down lower in the in the Google search on that first page, I probably would have come up with a whole lot more. Um, one that was a little easier was the the next TED Talk was your body language may shape who you are. So I just typed in those words and the word statistic. And the very first thing that popped up was was an infographic by about body language. Uh, in fact, it's called the body language info, infographic. And in that infographic, it says that we receive 82 percent of the information from what we see. We get 11 percent of information from what we hear and only 7 percent from all the other senses combined. You know, so it's it's a statistical kind of thing that you can use to to um, create kind of an opening for your presentation. Uh, the third TED Talk was How Great Leaders Inspire Action. And the statistic that came up when I Googled it was 84% of organizations anticipate a shortfall in leaders within the next five years. And that was from a a document called 13 Shocking Leadership Development Statistics. So very easy to find these things, and, and, and you can kind of search through and find the statistic that really fits more along the lines of the topic that you're trying to present. But, uh, but it's really easy to create those compelling statistics to get your audience to really think about your topic right as you begin to speak. So um, I'm going to include kind of a bonus tip. I know we, we talked about um, the, what what I'm planning on covering in this, if we have enough time, is to give you seven you know really really good foolproof ways to start your presentation. They're also going to cover a, a, give you a couple of bonus ones as well, and then uh, give you one more that works in some situations and maybe not others. So so I'll give you kind of the ones from my own experience anyway. So, But a bonus tip though, since those are the first three, the three that are really the most powerful, the ones that can help you 
increase the retention that your audience has from your from your um, presentation. And they are again that's giving them an, um, a summary at the beginning, and then or and or giving a story that uh, introduces the topic or a startling statistic. Those are three that if you start your presentation with any of those three, you'll actually increase retention from your audience. But a bonus tip is that if you combine more than one of these intros, you can a lot of times have even more impact. So uh, an example of this would be um, if you if you start with a good story about how you came across the statistic. So you can give them the statistic by itself, but a lot of times those are kind of hard to deliver, kind of like what I was when I was reading through that I'm reading it and it's still kind of hard to deliver. And that's what I find. So what I'll do oftentimes is I'll just tell the story about how I came up with that or how I discovered that statistic. And typically that works a whole lot better. So like, for instance, I remember watching uh, Jerry, Fein Jerry Seinfeld do a uh, stand up bit where he was talking about how the fear of public speaking was the number one fear in America. And then he also looked down the, the list and saw that the fear of death was number five. So he said that you're five times more likely to rather be in the casket than actually up giving the eulogy at a funeral. And so, um, so I, in fact, I used to, for years, I, I started the fearless presentations class with that statistic. And in fact, it's, it's still on the first page of our, of our training manual. It's one of those things that by telling the story though, it's easier to, make the statistic funny. It's, it's easier to, to, to get the laugh from the, from the joke. So it works a little bit better that way. So the key to each of these first steps, though, is that they, they increase the retention of information from your audience. So for instance, by giving your audience your introduction with your key points, then and then uh, giving your speech with details about each of those key points, and then finally summarizing it one more time, that repetition increases the the retention from from the audience pretty dramatically, and a good story will also increase retention because stories have a way of creating that visual image in the mind of your audience, and that makes your presentation much more memorable uh, than just kind of start stating the facts alone. And then um, by by giving them a startling statistic at the beginning, a lot of times what folks will say is. Is that true? You know, they start questioning. And so as a result, they're kind of paying attention more to your content right at the beginning. So those are the three. I mean, if you had to pick any one or uh, of the uh, openers, then those three tend to be your the ones that will get you the most bang for your buck. But here's some additional ones that, that I've kind of used that work really well as well. So a, mo a funny or motivational quote or even a one-liner can sometimes get you started on the right foot as well. So um, so like uh, if you, a quick quote that you can easily memorize and then deliver can capture attention in a really positive way. For instance, I often use the quote, the, uh, the, uh, the Winston Churchill quote when I start a presentation, especially if I'm starting a, uh, a breakout session on presentation skills or a keynote speech. This is usually a good way to do it. So Winston Churchill once said, a, pr a presentation should be like a woman's skirt, long enough to cover the subject but short enough to create interest. <laughs> so it's a funny way. It, it kind of starts it, because it's a funny quote, because it's easy to remember. It's one of those things that, that can get the audience laughing right away. So that helps a lot. Um, so just like statistics, you can Google your topic with the word quotes at the end. So just like I did with the statistics earlier in the, in the podcast, you can actually do that same thing. Just, just type in the title of your, of your uh, presentation and put the word quotes at the end of it in Google. And a lot of times you'll come up with, with, uh, with other options. So like, for instance, that, that first Ted talk, 
that we were looking at before was about how creativity uh, the creativity can be um, quashed in schools. And so I just typed that in and put quotes, and I came up with a Brian McGill quote that, that said, um, uh, creativity is the greatest expression of liberty. And then uh, the second one was about body language, and it was by, there was a quote by, that came up by Peter Guber. It says, language is a, is a more recent technology. Your body language, your eyes, your energy will come through to your audience before you even start speaking. Uh, and then the one on leadership or inspirational leadership, anyway, John Maxwell came up on one of the very first quotes that came up in the, in the Google search was a leader is the one who knows the way, goes the way and shows the way. So that, and one, a, a kind of a quippy quote like that, one that's easy to roll off the tongue is it typically works pretty well. Now, here's one more bonus tip that, about using quotes that can be helpful. Um, if you, if you, when you reference a quote, if you just add a little bit more of your own take onto that quote, it typically works out really well as well. In fact, you can so you can basically take somebody else's expertise, borrow that for for a second as your opener, and then add your own expertise to that. So, like for instance, Walt Disney once said, "If you can dream it, you can do it." But have you ever thought to realize that every single invention ever created by man was once just an idea born from someone else's need? So all I took was I took that that uh, Walt Disney quote and then just added my own spin to it, added my own my own take on that quote. So it makes it to where you go one step further than the than the quote does. And th- that works really well. Um, another type of opening that you can use is to start with an opinion asking question. Now I I will a lot of times I'll do this, especially in my public fearless presentations classes, when I have a lot of people from the general public that are that are coming to one of my presentation classes, I'll usually start with a story, and I'll usually start by by um, you know giving them some of these other impact ideas that we're talking about here with some of these other openers. But I want to get the audience involved pr- pretty early, so usually within the first three or four minutes of the of the class, I'll ask an opinion asking question. So, like for instance, one of the things I'll often ask very early on in the class is, um, you know, when when folks get nervous in front of a group, what physically happens to their body? Now, I'm not asking them, I'm not asking the people in the audience what physically happens to your body. I'm using it as a generic opinion-asking question where I'm saying when anybody gets nervous, what happens to their body? The interesting thing is, is that when folks start to answer that, when they start giving me feedback, it changes, something mentally, mental kind of changes in the in the way that they think about the class. Because up until that point, they're probably wondering, is this class really going to work for me? I don't even know if I should be here. I mean, I wish I hadn't come. And then once they kind of say, they give me answers to that question where they say something like, um, you know, you feel butterflies in your stomach or your heart start racing, so heart start, starts racing or... Um, your um, uh, you start sweating and on your palms start get sweaty or your you start speaking fast or any of those things that they say in the back of their mind they're thinking the reason I said that was because that's what happens to me so if he's going to show me how to overcome that then maybe I'm in the right place and so by starting with an opinion asking question a lot of times I can get people involved and get them to to pay attention a little bit more and and get them to to change their attitude about being in the in the presentation. So, um, one of the things that, that I, one of the ways that I use this a lot, by the way, this opinion asking question is I, I typically will use this, especially on sales calls or sales presentations. Um, so, like for instance, let's say that that I'm going out to speak to somebody who uh, might be interested in having me come out and do a presentation class for a group of their uh, a group a team uh, a team at their company. 
And so sometimes I'll just kind of start instead of just starting into a presentation and, and, and kind of throwing up on them, you know, which a lot of salespeople do. I'll just start with a question and I'll just say something like, yeah, in a perfect world, if your team was able to present their ideas to, to your customers more effectively, what would they be doing that they're not doing right now? So something like that, something where they have, where they're giving me an opinion. Now, this technique is a little bit more challenging for the presenter because you really have to be able to take whatever your audience gives you and, and then design your presentation really on the fly based on what the audience tells you that they want. So, um, and so, but the more research that you've done ahead of time though, the more, the less surprised you're going to be when that person answers that, that question. So that preparation in advance and doing some research in advance will really help in a lot of ways. Uh, another type of, of, of opening that works really well for me is a powerful or a shocking statement. So I'll sometimes start my class with a statement like, hey, you know what, just about everything you've ever learned about public speaking is wrong, <laughs> right? So I'll put, a, put something out there. And that's a pretty powerful statement because there's a lot of stuff that people hear about public speaking that's really right. So when I tell them that just about everything they've ever learned about public speaking is wrong, a lot of times they're going to, they'll, they'll go, what? You know, but if once I make a statement like that, if I make a strong statement like that, I have to back it up now. So a lot of times I'll follow that statement with information about a number of different tips that, that um, I've heard from over the years that the people in the audience have likely heard as well, but I'll pick the ones that don't work at all. <laughs> like I'll pick tips like, um, presentation tips like uh, you should picture your audience naked you know I, I don't know who came up with that but that does not work that is not a good tip and if you're trying to do that you're probably not going to get really good results um, th another another thing that I'll, I'll kind of start off with and this is one that that a lot of times we went over audiences pretty quickly is that a lot of times folks will tell you that you have to slow down when you speak but in reality people who speak quickly tend to show a lot of energy and a lot of enthusiasm and a lot and the audiences really like that. Now obviously if you're in an international audience and that then and and people are trying to translate your words then obviously you're going to want to slow down a little bit but for the most part the 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 that tip that people get by slowing down actually hurts them doesn't help them. So I'll give a few tips like that and then it backs up the statement that I made that strong statement that I made. So I'll give you another example that we use a lot. When we lead groups through team building activities, the other side of our company, even though we do a lot of seminars like the presentation classes and leadership classes, we also do a lot of team building activities. And, and one of the things that we'll do fairly early on in, in one of our team building activities is that we will typically divide them up into, into teams and divide the big group up, big group up into smaller teams anyway and make them believe that they're actually competing against each other when in reality they're not. So, but we sometimes will start with a statement like, hey, in less than 15 minutes from this point, some of you very chivalrous men who opened a door for a young lady when she came into the room will actually be chicken-winging that woman to take something from her. And, uh, and so it, it's something that we're kind of foreshadowing something that is likely to happen. It happens all the time in, in the program when we, when we kind of get started with the activities. So when it does happen, all of a sudden folks will remember that I made that strong statement earlier and they'll start laughing. It'll, it'll, it creates a, it creates some, uh, a really nice moment in the, in the presentation. So, so sometimes those shocking statements, those powerful statements can, can, um, can start you off on the right foot. Another type of opening that you can use is to arouse curiosity with a hook. 
Now, talk shows like radio, talk show, talk radio, or, or television news programs, especially the like the CNNs and the Fox News and MSNBCs and all those, um, they, they're brilliant at this, as are reality TV shows. What they will do is they will say something in the opening that will foreshadow something that's coming up later on in, in the program so that you're more likely to stick around and wait for that. So... I'll give you a good example of this from from reality TV. So back when when reality TV was just starting up and Survivor was was brand new, the the uh, the first the first winner, the first the season one winner was a guy named I think his name was Richard Hatch, and he he's actually a motivational speaker, but um, that wasn't what he was most known for on the show. He was a really good fisherman, so he was actually able to feed the people that were on the on the island and so he was very popular throughout the entire season or however long it was that they were on the, the island um, but he also did some weird things on the show just to keep the other contestants a little off their game so and I remember watching the the pro I, I actually only watched the first season of Survivor I'm not really big into TV but but I do remember this because it was so um Prominent because at the very beginning of the show, all of a sudden you see Richard on the beach standing up, buck naked, <laughs> and and they've got him, of course they've got him kind of fuzzied out, you know, so you don't see any of his private parts or anything like that. But it, but it was that was in like the first ten seconds of the of the intro, and all, all of a sudden it's it's weird because you don't necessarily want to. I mean, he's not not an attractive guy, you know, so you don't really want to see him, but you're kind of compelled to go. How in the world did that happen? You know, how in the world did he end up on the beach, buck naked? You know, so, so it was. Uh, it's one of those things that that it, that foreshadowing, that curiosity, it creates a hook to make people want to want to uh, watch the rest of the show or listen to the rest of the show. Anyway, so um, the uh, the what, the talk radio show guys are pretty good at this as well. They'll say, you know, at the bottom of the hour, we're going to be speaking to so and so, or we're going to answer the blank question, whatever it is that, that, that people are most interested in. So you have to stick around till the last, till after the last um, commercial break in order to, to get the answer that you've been waiting for. So, and I actually do this on my podcast as well. I mean, if you've, if you've listened to the podcast a while, sometimes I will in the very introduction, I'll, I'll give you a, um, a hook. I'll give you something that I'm going to be covering at the latter part of the of the uh, podcast that if you stick around hey you get the bonus you get the the thing that you're most interested in so it works really well and you can use this in your presentations as well so basically starting off with with some something that um that um gets your audience to to, to telling your audience that you're going to cover something that's really important to them in the very last or at the very end of your presentation so that they pay attention throughout throughout your presentation another thing that you can do to to, um, to a good, another way to kind of start your presentations that work really well is to add some showmanship. So sometimes you just have to get a little creative and and think outside the box. And I said so far, I think I've mentioned seven or so really foolproof ways. This is the one that can be a little challenging. So you you definitely want to run any of the showmanship that you're if you're going to get outside of the box, it's a good idea to ask an opinion of somebody that you trust. Usually a spouse or a significant other can kind of help here. Um I've done some things over the years that that were really fun and really high energy, but you know, sometimes they just didn't work very well. I'll give you one. This is this was this is one that was kind of funny. Now this was back pre like 9/11, you know, so 
So uh, at the time, it, it worked really well, and I got good results, but it was really thinking outside the box. I got invited to speak at a, at, at a, um, a local association. It was a, a, um, a minority business breakfast, and they only gave me like seven or eight minutes to speak. So it was a really short presentation. I was just starting out, didn't have a whole lot of customers. And, uh, and so I wanted to, to kind of make the most since I was only going to have a short period of time. And most of the people that, that had spoken before at this were just really boring, you know, and they just were really salesy, you know, they were just trying to sell their stuff. And so I wanted to be a little different. So this was just after the 4th of July and my kids had some sparklers left over, you know, those, those, uh, fireworks that, that when you light them up, they just kind of sparkle. And so I wanted to, I decided to dramatize my presentation a little. And oh, so I got to the hotel room that the, the, the banquet hall where this meeting was going to take place. I got there an hour before anybody else was there. I was up really early in the morning. And what I did was I filled a trash can that they had in the room with water. So I put, it was, it was a, it was a fairly good sized trash can. I just kind of had, a, I filled it up about three quarters of the way up to the top with water. And I stuck that underneath one of the tables and, um, I also had, uh, in preparation for this, I had one of those uh, kind of mailing tubes that, that I'd used. Uh, we'd, we'd done some some um, some out-of-the-box out, out mailers that we were sending out to potential customers, and it didn't work very well either. But um, but they were, they were red. They were red mailing tubes, and they were only about a foot long. Uh, and so what I did was I stuck one of those sparklers in the top of that mailing tube to make it look like a stick of dynamite. And I waited until the MC called my name. So there were about three or four of us that were speaking. And, and, uh, when it was my turn, I stood at the back of the room. I wasn't up at the front where everybody else was. I stood way at the back of the room and I kind of hid in the crowd. And the MC called my name and I waited and waited and waited. Then she called my name again. I waited, waited and waited. And just about the time she was about to call my, my, my name the third time, I came racing. I, I lit that, um, that, um, that, uh, sparkler. And, and started and came jogging up to the front of the room. So I'm sitting there. It looks like I'm holding a stick of dynamite in my hand. And, and I kind of stood up there for a second, just in silence, let, let the audience kind of see what I was doing. And I pulled that, that bucket of water out and, and threw the, through the, um, the fake, uh, piece of the stick of dynamite into the water. And of course it sizzled and kind of smoke came up from the water and everything. And, and I, and again, I paused for a second and, and I, I kind of waited for the whole audience to be looking around the room going, what the heck? Wow. You, you know, the, where I, I, want, I wanted to see the shock on their face to see what they thought was going to be happening. And then I just kind of, I, I just very calmly and quietly said, or calmly and, and confidently said, uh, you want to put some sizzle in your presentations? <laughs> and of course, there was like dead silence for about, it seemed like about 40 minutes, but it was only about. I don't know, three seconds or so. And then all of a sudden, somebody in the front of the room busted out laughing. And then somebody else started laughing and somebody else started laughing. And all of a sudden, the whole room was just roaring. And uh, and I gave my the rest of my, you know, five or six minute presentation and, and it went over really well. Now, what was interesting about that particular um, start was that very few people who actually come to that meeting actually ever get business from it. 
And, uh, but I did. I mean, I had people that were looking that came up to me afterwards. They were shaking my hand. They were saying, man, that's the best one. We've, I come there every month and that's the best one I've ever, that's the best presentation I've ever seen. So it was, it was memorable. And there were folks that, that, um, since that was early on in my career, there were actually folks in that room that saw me speak that day that had me years later come out and speak to their people about some other topic. And so, it's it's one of those things that if you if you get outside the box a little bit, really think outside the box and and dramatize your ideas, it can it can really sell your ideas to the room. Now, now there are a few less over the top kind of ways of adding showmanship to your presentation that might work just as well for you. Um, I like, for instance, one of the things that I, that I like to do is I I love slideshows, I love PowerPoint stuff like that, but I'm a big fan of using anything other than PowerPoint, especially in the beginning stages when I'm trying to get the audience's attention. So one of the things that, that I've used and I've seen other people use is to just create a nice, a nice looking board that has a question on it or some type of piece of information on it or a statistic. One of these things that we've talked about before, but it's on a board setting up in the, in the middle of the room. And, um, and it, it has higher longevity, longer longevity anyway, than a, than a PowerPoint slide would. Um, everyone expects a slideshow, but if you have some kind of compelling board or a poster that's in front of the room when you start, you can a lot of times you can create some curiosity about your topic. Um, another thing that you can do is get the audience involved, uh, get the audience to participate in a demonstration. I had a, I had a in one of my classes, I had a, a salesperson from the Riddell Helmet Company, the football helmet company, that and they had uh, just come out with this was years ago, but they had just come out with a a football helmet face mask, the, the face mask that's on the front of the helmet that could de- detach from the helmet with a little pencil-like tool that would that would make it come off quickly. And the reason why this was important is because the um, one of the big challenges that, that um, especially on the secondary school level with the high school and, and that age group, if there's a neck injury, which a lot of them happen down there in football, if, uh, if a lot of times those helmets are used over and over and over, year after year after year, and if they're put on with the metal screws like they always have been, those screws can get rusted from, from you know, all the sweat and spraying water into the face mask. And so it, it becomes dangerous to get that off without, without harming the child more. You know, if the, if, the, if the neck is moved, it can harm the child more. So a lot of times they have to cut that helmet off. Which is even which is dangerous too. So what Riddell did was they created a a, um, um, a football hel- or a, ma- a face mask anyway that you can use this little pencil tool stick stick the little pencil tool into the side of the face mask and <laughs> click it and all of a sudden that that face mask just pops right off. And so he had a, he he wanted to explain this. So he, he so right at the beginning of his presentation, he's the the salesman kind of stood in front of the room. He got the two biggest guys in the room, one of them to grab the face mask and the other one to grab the helmet. And he said, try to get that face mask off. And so they were pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling. And while they were pulling, you know, after, after 10 or 15, 20 seconds or so, you know, and where everybody could see that, that, you know, that face mask was not going to be coming off no matter how much force they put on it. He took that little pencil tool and, and stuck it in the little hole and boom, the, the face mask just kind of popped off. It's boom, just like that. It kind of popped off. And so it was, it was a really cool demonstration because the audience was involved in the demonstration. It made it more memorable. Uh, another, another type of, of, um, way that you can add some drama or add some showmanship is sometimes with funny videos. Now I used to really early in my career, especially as a public speaking coach, I used to kind of discourage videos in, in presentations. And the reason why is because they can be overused and if they're too long, they they take away a lot of the um, 
prominence that the speaker has. And so you got to be really, really uh, careful about it. But um, I, I started years ago, I started doing, introducing some of my, my um, modules in the in my leadership classes with funny Saturday Night Live videos that worked really really well. So, and a lot of times I'd pick a video that w- where the characters were doing the exact opposite w- of what I was going to be teaching in the next in the next hour or so of the or the next module. So, like for instance, if I was going to be teaching a uh, a module about how to build uh, team culture and avoid criticizing in the workplace, then I might show an episode of Debbie Downer. So that was a character, a recurring character that appeared. For a few years back in the, I would say probably mid '90s, I guess, of, of Saturday Night Live, where um, every time somebody said something in the in the script, the the character Debbie Downer would would say something negative about it. You know, it, it would have sound effects and everything. So, so and it's hilarious. It's really funny. And so I would a lot of times I would kind of show one of those and then introduce the the uh, the topic. And so sometimes. You can use videos. If you're really strategic in the way that you use your videos, it can really help. I find that if you use a video, especially on a break, if you've got a longer presentation and you want to keep the energy up in the in the room, if you can find funny videos that correspond to something that you're talking about in your presentation, you can you can play those at the break and it makes it a whole lot easier to come back and start speaking because folks are still having fun and, and laughing. So that works really well. So whatever method that you choose to start your presentation, make sure and spend some time on developing your content because you don't want to spend a ton of time creating the perfect opener for your presentation and then lose the audience with a lackluster presentation afterwards. So make sure and spend just as much time or more time on the content as you do on that that opener to get you started in the right way and your audience will, will love you. So hopefully this podcast has been really helpful for you and I would really ask you to subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't yet done that, the we're coming up with new content every single week and every week we're coming up with ideas that are going to help you not only create better presentations, but actually reduce that nervousness and become a more professional presenter. So you don't want to miss an episode. So hit the subscribe button really easy to do. Just hit subscribe. And all of a sudden, every time we come out with a new, with a new um, episode, you'll get it in your inbox. So thanks a lot for being a part of this week's fearless presentations podcast. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.